You're listening to Travel Tales with Fergal. Like, what are people looking for now, tourists? Basically, we don't need to reinvent life. We need to look back to our past and search the inspiration that lies on that past. Basically, we don't need to create nothing new. It's just a question of researching, looking back, and trying to reproduce as much as originally what made us once very happy in in life. I think no matter who goes, you will be taken aback by how drastically different it is to other aspects of that country. Minha terra é muito linda. Tem tanta coisa para ver. My village is very beautiful. No cimo da nossa serra há sete fontes a correr. Our hill. Nossa aldeia montanha. Our village mountain. Tem água fresquinha. We have clean water and fresh. Que refresca o coração. And refresh our heart. No cimo da nossa serra. In the top of our hill. Sem meia se tanto pão. And our scanty bread. Quando fiz este poema, When I do this poem, nas mãos tinha guardanapo. In my hand I have the clean. Eu vou dizer o meu nome. I do Luc- my name. Lucília de Almeida Matos. Lucília de Almeida Matos. Quando comecei a pensar, When I estava ao lado da fonte. I stay near of the water. Minha cidade é Guarda. My city is Guarda. Aldeia de Vidmonte. My small village is Vidmonte. Tem três capelas tão lindas. The, we have three chapels, beautiful Capa, chapels. Capa, amamos do coração. We love from our heart. É, é Nossa Senhora de Lourdes. Our Lady of Lourdes. Santo António. Santo Antoni. E Santo Antão. And Santo Antão. Obrigado. <laughs> Obrigado. Thank you very much. Hello, my name is Fergal O'Keefe and you're very welcome to my Centre of Portugal Destination Special podcast, where I hope to convey how stunning this mountainous region between Lisbon and Porto really is. I visited the Centre of Portugal in September and what really shone true from that trip was how friendly the people were and their love for this magical place. You heard that pride in the voice of the local Renata Diaz there in the introduction and the cheerful rhythms of the village poetess Lucilia from the village of Viedemont. Viedemont is just one of the many dazzling mountain villages I visited on that trip. The landscapes in the centre of Portugal are continuously changing from the endless Atlantic surf beaches on the coast all the way up to the Serra de Estrela mountain range with Portugal's highest peak. This area contains over 40 mountain villages all with their own unique personalities four natural parks and five World UNESCO heritage sites. For more information, check centreofportugal.com. You'll hear now from an interview I did in Clare FM, and that'll be followed by Paul McLaughlin from the Irish Examiner, who you heard also in the intro. So let's go straight into this episode. (laughs) 
Last time you joined us, Fergal, you were telling us uh, of how e- eagerly anticipated this trip to Portugal was. So um, make us all extremely envious and take <laughs> us through the blow-by-blow account of where you went in Portugal and how great the yeah. weather was. Well, I had a first that my flight was with Tap Air Portugal, which I would never have even thought about before. You know, normally everyone kind of looks at Aer Lingus or, or Ryanair. So I went with them and that was seamless. And as I said, I, I flew into Lisbon and I've been there a few times and I absolutely love that place. So I'm probably a little bit unusual in that I have a little taste of the centre of Portugal or the mountains villages before and I'd say anyone who's gone to Lisbon might have gone to say Sintra which is a little mountain village outside of Lisbon so that was my first taste of it and I went to a place called Obidas where there's a medieval festival there all year it's a little walled medieval town I went to a place called Quimbra which is actually the capital of the region so I've gone to all these places before Quimbra's famous famous for an old one of the oldest universities in the world and again a beautiful old historic town and I mentioned the last time I went to place Tomer, which is this little old um, medieval town where the, the Templar Knights had their headquarters, which was one of the most historic or more, most atmospheric places I've ever been to. So I was mad eager to get back to this area. And I, I don't think it's that well known with Irish people. People will know Fatima. So Fatima is sort of at the edge of this area and a lot of people go to pilgrimages there. But I think that it's going to be an area that's going to grow in popularity. You know, Irish people love going to the Algarve, but, you know, there was like questionnaires or research done during the year during COVID about what people would be looking for when they when they look for travel again. And the buzzwords that were coming out were like slow travel, ethical travel, sustainable, less crowded, safe, nature, outdoors. And all those things actually are this area in the centre of Portugal. And I was talking to people there and even for Portuguese people, they're discovering this area themselves. A bit like we did during the pandemic, they couldn't go abroad. So they've started to go to this area. And then the tourism industry in that area realised this and they are doing a huge investment between the government and the tourism industry to grow these areas. You know, they're doing things like... um, they're now encouraging remote working, which is a very topical thing in Ireland. And I met people that, like we say, had been living in Lisbon that were now moving to these mountain villages in the centre. And what they're doing is these old schools are being converted um, that were being unused into remote working centres. And the government are building these amazing remote centres and everything in it is built, you know, from the curtains to the tables to everything by the local communities as well. So it's creating, I think it's a really interesting thing that Ireland could look at as well and say from a tourism point of view then, you know, it's the most stunning area. Like that area is sort of the, the very first, it was the first natural park in Portugal originally. The, it's called the Serra de Australia Natural Park, this huge natural park. And then within it, there's all these little mountain villages and each one kind of has its own personality and outdoes each other, um, you know, for the welcome. And that was the thing I really noticed when I was there. You know, at the start I was going, is this just because you know, their tourists are coming back. But the more I talked to people, the more I kind of went, what makes this area in Portugal different from other mountain areas, say I've been to, is you know, when you go to mountain areas, sometimes it, they can be a little bit unfriendly or suspicious at first. It takes a while to get to know people. But these people, the Portuguese, particularly in the mountains, maybe all over Portugal, unbelievably friendly. 
But anytime you stopped, kind of reminded me of the Aran Islands a little bit, but in the mountains, like the old stone walls and stone buildings, like, say, in the west of Ireland or the Aran Islands. And the people were, you know, traditional clothes, the older people, and they were unbelievably friendly. For example, like I went to a village called Viedemont and all these villages have these old um, communal baking areas where they bake bread for the village and you're walking through the village and you can smell the bread and they come out and they invite you in. Or if you're walking past someone, they talk to you because they're mad eager to, to get tourists. And this tourism is kind of new, really, for this area. So it was lovely being somewhere where they were so eager to uh, welcome people. That's what I would say about people. If they love the outdoors... And if they love history, then this is the part of the country for them because it's really strong. And everywhere I went talking to people, like I had a great chat, chat one time with a guy who had been working in Germany and then he moved back to Lisbon and now he was living in the mountains. And now he was going, you know, you, they, they don't have to reinvent anything. They have it everything, everything here that they used to have in the past, i.e. the traditional living and living in small towns and the the, the outdoors and they're they're rediscovering that now and I think that's the silver lining after the pandemic that a lot of countries are going to realise that these little towns or you know the outdoors is where it's going to be from a tourism point of view. What was the weather like for for this time of year, Fergal? Was it bearable? Was it really hot or how was it? It was absolutely perfect. So you know I think it was sort of. You know, from it went, it might have gone up to 25 degrees, but you know, around the 20 degrees mark. And you know, it was funny the Portuguese would be going, Oh, it's a bit chilly. And I, I was going for, <laughs> I was going for swims. And I was joking with the owner, I was staying in this village, um, this gorgeous hotel called Casas de Lapa in a village called Lapa dos Dineros. And, um, you know, I was going for a swim, they got an outdoor pool, and the locals were looking at me like I was mad. And the, the sunsets were like sunsets I've never seen before. And I would maybe it was because it was autumn, but the glow in the mountains. And I was joking with the owner of the hotel saying, you know, thanks for organizing uh, great sunsets. But, you know, th- they were going, oh, it's a little bit chilly, but it was perfect weather. For I think that's why Irish people like Portugal, because it's not too hot and particularly up the mountains as well. Um, it would be cooler even during the summer. So for me, it was perfect, perfect for walking, you know, because it wasn't too yeah. hot. It sounds like the the, the, the break or vacation you took, um, it's certainly in a country like Portugal is one, that you went to places where when people tend to go to Portugal, they perhaps don't visit these. Would you, for a first time visitor, would you encourage them to take the same trip you took or would this be more for yeah. people who've been to Portugal a number of times and have already exhausted the Lisbon or uh, Faro type um, holidays? Yeah, well, uh, for both. So the people that have exhausted that, I would say to be a little bit more imaginative and to, to just to, you know, to go up to Lisbon. I mean, I would go the perfect trip. If I was doing a trip would be to fly into Lisbon, hire a car, go to Quimbra, which is say an hour, an hour outside, a beautiful uh, medieval town, and then to go up to the mountains and spend a few days in the mountains and then go up to the Douro Valley uh, whereas the top wine region in Portugal and go to Porto and then fly out of Porto. And that would be a perfect trip. And if you wanted to, when I was there, we actually went to Nazare, 
which was the coast. So all along that coast are beautiful beaches. And um, that's famous for like having the highest surfable waves in Europe. You'd always see those famous photos. It's right on there's a little lighthouse and there's big waves. But as a trip, I would go, you know, Lisbon, go up the mountains and go to Porto. And that would be an amazing trip. And if you're into walking, I mean, it's unbelievable that, the you know, you can go to these villages and then there's day walks, you know. Like I went to one village called Larigo and they had this gorgeous walk and uh, they called it the route of the airplane where you walk from the village up to, up to the top of the mountain where an old RAF plane crashed during World War II and that was called the walk of the, uh, of the airplane and, and then you can walk back down. And the thing that I really loved about these villages, because, you know, we love to get a swim in as well, is they've got these things called river beaches. Uh, Now that they've started, to, every village sort of has them. And what they do is they put kind of wooden dam in in the the river during the summertime. And uh, it has all the facilities of a a beach area. So it has like beach huts and uh, umbrellas and little bars and, and a swimming area and really clear waters. And you can swim there, surround a 360 by the mountains. So that was amazing. And again, I went for a swim there and I was the only person that did go for the swim. The, the Portuguese were looking at me, but the water was, you know, <laughs> as warm as Ireland, really, you know, even yeah. at that stage. So that was really refreshing, surrounded by mountains. And the food is amazing there. And then the wine, I mean, you know, the wine, like as I said, the Dura Valley, but this area is called the wine region around here. Like every village has got these tiny little uh, vineyards. And that area is called Dao, D-A-O, the, that appellation for that area. And it was amazing wine. Like I had um, the owner of the hotel I was in, her father had a vineyard and it was like a sparkling wine, like champagne. And it tasted like champagne. It was quite amazing. So the Dao, the red wines there, are unbelievable. So if you're into wine and then the food as well, so there's lovely food and a lot of these hotels, as I said, it's a really growing area, these new hotels. And like just say, the chef in the hotel I was in was only 21. So it was kind of real traditional food with a modern twist. And I love that, like loads of courses, but lots of, you know, they're small courses. So the food, I mean, it, it was quite amazing there. Really, really high standard, you know just for people if they're interested in that area about Portugal like there's a website centerportugal.com or visitportugal.com and as I said I would really recommend it because it just you know you feel like you're you're going to somewhere new even though it's Portugal it's yeah. very different from the Algarve and uh, you know like Lisbon and Porto as well I mean it's just such a stunning part of the country it's a stunning people they really are now you're going to hear from Paul McLaughlin our journalist with the Irish Examiner who was also on the trip with me and then you're going to hear from Renata Diaz who was on we mentioned about um, the co-working projects they have in the mountains where they're converting old buildings like old schools into co-working areas to bring people back from the cities and Renata is one of those people. Hi Paul, you wrote a great article in the Irish Examiner about the centre of Portugal. The headline was like "Can Eco Friendly Holidays Deliver?" And I just want yeah. to read. I want to read the first paragraph to you because it sums it up perfectly. Yeah. Forget what you know about Portugal. Beyond the shimmering sands of the Algarve or the bustling capital capital of Lisbon, a series of villages sprawled across the Serra da Estrela mountain range is home to the country's heart and a new kind of tourism. I think that sums it up perfectly. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the experience of being in the mountain villages really kind of showed you a different side to Portugal that you might not see. And I think especially for Irish people, it's one that we really don't see because like I 
I obviously picked Lisbon and the Algarve as an example, but you know, Lisbon is quite popular for city breaks. The Algarve is extremely popular for holiday makers in Ireland. Um, but then seeing this side of Portugal, it was almost even when I was asked to go on the trip, it was a side of Portugal that I didn't really know much about myself. I'd never heard of it. Um, and being there and seeing the kind of people that are there, seeing the way of life, I think it really put into perspective that this is kind of the real uh, Portugal in many ways. Yeah. It, it doesn't exactly. hide behind anything. And that's the word, what I liked about that, like you say, the country's heart. And that's what it felt like there, the heart yeah. or the soul of the country. And as you said, like yeah. exactly, it sounds like a cliche, but you're like the real Portugal. It really felt like you were getting to the real country, didn't it? Didn't it? Yeah. I think we were like truly immersed in the kind of day-to-day -day life of people. That was for me the most striking part of the trip was that idea that these people who you might think at first who they don't engage with tourists that much you might think there might be that kind of um apprehension but I think the way that they welcomed us with such open arms was truly remarkable it was so genuine and so welcoming they really wanted us to experience their way of life which I think it, for some places they might not do that they might be like have that apprehension to kind of welcome people in but these people were very much kind of eager to to have us see what was going on there and how they live life what really shone true was the pride and passion that they have for yeah. their area and I love that. I love when you go somewhere and people are really proud of where they're from. And that really shone true. This area, this part, the mountain area or the centre, it's like the hidden heartland of Portugal. It is. It is absolutely true. Uh, in the prospects, in the tourist prospects that you see about Portugal, you see our seaside very, very frequently. You see our bigger towns very, very frequently. But places like this are hidden gems. Exactly. If you, if we get quiet now for a moment, you can hear the birds. And we're in the center of the village. You can hear the wind, you can hear the wind, breeze. This is something that we don't have in bigger towns. This is something that is really the true value of inner areas in Portugal. You cannot have this in Lisbon. You cannot have this in Algarve. You cannot have this in Porto. And the, uh, the other thing that I've really noticed is sometimes in countries you go to the mountains, people can be... Uh, maybe suspicious or but here is totally different everyone's so welcoming and open the portuguese people are uh, have a, a unique characteristic when someone new come to a place like this they are very happy to share with you their most simple things but for them their most valuable things. It goes from sharing 
a meal, sharing something that they have done with their own hands, arts and crafts, share their stories, share their collective memories. And uh, in Lisbon or in Porto, people are too busy to do it. They don't have time to spend with you and tell you this hidden culture, this hidden lifestyle that still persists in time. is there, is available. You can pick it, you can feel it. Exactly. And it's so easy as to come here and be ready to receive it. Exactly. It's, it's so open. It's open. Mm -hmm. I would call it open source culture. Yes. <laughs> it's available. Exactly. It's available. It's like a tree fully of fruits available to be picked up. And the people will be very glad to share that with you. You will make their day just by being able to listen them to talk. You will say at the end of the day, wow, what I have been missing all these years. Exactly. And surrounded by the mountains and beauty. It's true. It's true. Absolutely yeah. true. Thank you. Now we're going to hear from Susanna Cardoza, who's the director of Visit Portugal Ireland, and she gives a great overview of the whole area at the centre of Portugal and what it's got to offer. Susanna, a lot of Irish people know the Algarve very well, but I don't think they're aware yet about how stunning the mountains are in the centre of Portugal. Like, how would you say this area is different from that traditional area where Irish have been going for years? Oh, that's very, very different. Yeah, it's nice to have something different to showcase to the Irish market, which already knows uh, Algarve very well and is getting to know Lisbon and Porto. But we still have some uh, secrets to uncover, I should say. And the mountain villages in uh, Serra da Estrela, which is the highest uh, mountain in mainland Portugal, uh, it is an example. So those are uh, little villages that are uh, uh, in the natural park uh, with a very authentic, I guess, um, way of um, being and preserving the heritage uh, and the traditional, the tradition. So it is uh, a very special uh, place. Uh, even for the Portuguese. So this, the center of Portugal is a very diverse region in Portugal. So it is uh, south to Douro River, which is the uh, border of the Porto and the north uh, region. And it is above the Tagos River. So it's in between two rivers, uh, I should say. So it is very diverse. It has the, the coastline with some fisher villages that are also nice. You probably saw some of them like mm. Nazare and Peniche and all that. Mm. Uh, and then you have the mountains and you have different projects. You have the mountain villages, but you also have the historical villages which are close to the border of Spain. They are very, I'd say it's very small dots on the map, but um, they play the, a very important role uh, in defending the country from Spain, which was our main enemy at the time. So they all have a castle, they all have a church to celebrate the battle that we won, and they are very special places. 
Uh, and also you have near Coimbra, which is the main city of the center of Portugal, the, the, the most relevant one. Uh, a lot of tradition also in Coimbra. So you have the first university in Portugal and one of the first, uh, first uh, universities uh, of Europe actually there. And it's also the capital of the father. So it's, a, uh, it's worth go, uh, going there. Uh, and so uh, close to, the, to Coimbra, you have the Tists villages, which are um, over 40 villages uh, uh, that uh, have a very characteristic way of the houses are made out of chist uh, and also are very well preserved. So I think the center of Portugal is, um, especially if you go inland, you can um, you can have more of an authentic experience ever. You know, you, you go there, a local, an experience with the locals, you probably felt that yourself when you went there. So okay. it's, it's good to do outdoor activities. It's good to be uh, in the nature and uh, it's, it has very good foods and wine as well. So it is a nice place to go uh, and make something different. So it is kind of nice. So I, I would recommend that. Now you're going to hear a chat I had with Paul McLaughlin from the Irish Examiner about our favourite places, the favourite villages and, and sites that we saw on that trip to Portugal. I read in your articles, you were saying like the villages, a lot of them have different personalities, don't they? So, I mean, it would make a great trip, sort of you need a car and to go spend a night or two in a, a couple of different villages because they all have different personalities, don't they? Yeah, I definitely think so. And even in terms of like the landscape, it, it changes mm. between them. Um, and even when you go from like, you know, a micro village to a medium sized one to a town and so on and so forth, there is in terms of simply in terms of size, I think that probably informs how the villages have different personalities, but also in terms of what they have to offer and the people there, there's a very strong sense that each village is individual and very proud of being individual. That first place that we went to, the place where we stayed, I suppose, was Lapis de Daenerys. We stayed in a gorgeous hotel there, Casas de Lapis. And I think it kind of showed how people were starting to invest in the area, this gorgeous hotel with a couple of pools. That was a great base. I would recommend there, I have to say, for, for traveling around the area? Oh, de definitely. I mean, I think that was one of the most like beautiful hotels I've ever had an opportunity to stay in. Just, just you were immersed in the landscape and it was so quiet and it felt a bit removed from the rest of society. I mean, I think as you kind of wound up that big mountain, which I mean, I don't drive, but I imagine <laughs> if I was a nervous driver, I would be very terrified going <laughs> up that on my own for the first time. Um, and I think it's somewhere that I'd love to go back to. Yeah. And again, with the same with the, the other hotel that we visited for a meal, I think it was mm -hmm. uh, San Lorenzo. I can't yeah. remember the exact name, yeah. but the idea that both of those places have this kind of trans-seasonal appeal. I feel like you could go there in the height of summer or the height of win winter, yeah. and you could still take exactly. away something really beautiful. The most amazing sunsets there, didn't they? Like the hotel is kind of looking out over a valley with the mountains and the sun would go down over the mountains every night. And I thought I'd missed it the first night for taking photos and every night, amazing sunset. Yeah, it was spectacular. 
you were just transfixed by it going down like the colors that it like set across the sky were just amazing what's really cool is the villages they all have their own little festivals at different times like in the autumn i sound, sound great like the chestnut festival or they they do christmas yeah. one of the villages does a christmas festival the whole town is sort of lit up like a Christmas tree and they have festivals throughout the year. So that I would say to people, if they were thinking about going to have a look about what's on, because there's always some yeah. festival in one of those villages. And that's something that really struck me, even when I was sitting down to write my article, I was thinking, how do which ones do I pick? You know, there's so many to choose from because there is so many festivals scattered throughout the year. And that idea of, I suppose, celebration and festivity means more to us now than probably ever before having you know been forced apart from each other for so long now that we can I suppose convene again it's probably it, it just takes on new meaning to be able to have these moments of exchange and to be able to engage with each other and interact and the tricky question for you so there's as you said like there's loads of villages there was over 40 and we went to loads of them yeah. so so which ones would you pick which ones come into your head then that if someone said, which ones would you recommend to go and visit? I mean, I was really attracted to Viedmont. I thought that was a really um, yeah. special place, just arriving and making bread and breaking bread with um, locals was just... And it was a community, it's a communal uh, oven. So all the, like yeah. the locals just go into this communal oven to bake bread, a huge big oven. And it, that's just amazing to me, that idea that, you know, we were immersed in their community and even the way that we were immersed it wasn't just kind of you know an in instruction manual we were really thrust into this kind of fast-paced bread making um activity and then after that you know walking around and meeting uh this kind of this 90 something year old um woman who invites 15 people that are walking around the village into her house for lunch I just think that is such a special way of life and I and think her, her son was a Michelin starred chef wasn't yeah. he a fa very famous this mountain village and he's a very famous chef he did master chef in uh, Portugal I think it was isn't it yeah and I think he was working in like a Michelin starred restaurant in Budapest yeah, somewhere, yeah. Um, but I definitely think Viedmont for me takes the cake I think that was my favorite um, you, 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 you write you write loads um for fashion so we went yeah. to, you know, that area, traditionally wool manufacture was a big thing. And we went to the Burrell factory. So that must have been great to get to see that for you. Yeah, for sure. And even seeing the, the project that Sandra Pinho um, was working on with the, the cheesemakers and how yeah. they had made these capes or rather they'd made a modernized version of the capes that the cheesemakers wear. And I think there was only like 42 cheesemakers um, left in the region and for them to I suppose take this kind of unique approach to I suppose documenting these people's existence in many ways by making this kind of beautiful cape from Burrell wool I think that was such a, a cool um, thing to see and as a fashion writer I'm always intrigued by stories I mean as a storyteller myself I'm, that's what I, I think draws me most to what I do. So getting to see that aspect of things was was really interesting, and to see how proud they were of the output was was remarkable. You know, the centre of Portugal, they call it. We still haven't even talked about the landscape. I mean, 
it was, yeah. wasn't it stunning? Absolutely. You're, you're in the middle of the mountains. Yeah, it was just amazing. And even I think on that drive from Lisbon to the mountains, watching the landscape change as you got closer and closer to the villages was so interesting. And I feel like that kind of the passage of time actually felt yeah. real because you were watching the landscape around you change and not so much drastically, but it was different from, you know, as you stretch along the, the motorway, you were really see, starting to see these kind of changes around you. And then when you get to the mountain villages, it's just a world of its own, these deep cavernous valleys and tall forests and this massive mountain range, but also the beautiful kind of fluvial beaches that we got to see exactly. with those like crystal clear waters. And it was just so amazing to see that it had all of this in one place and how diverse it was in one place um it was there really was a bit of everything within these landscapes and obviously like we said the sunset was just probably one of the best things i particularly liked the the beaches because they're like you know they they had they're in these every village sort of had one outside of them where they would have sand brought in and they'd even have like a, maybe a little a little cabin with food and a lifeguard yeah. area you know they are they might have dammed the river to to make water for like a pool a natural pool area but they were really every village pretty much had them the, the my favorite one was the one in Lariga Lariga is that what yeah. it is yeah I mean that was amazing because you're looking right up at the mountain that's and when I say crystal clear waters that's what comes to my mind I mean I think that one was so so beautiful that kind of like extensive view over the valley but also the view up a mountain range it was just so unique and I think for me it was unlike anything I've ever seen before I think no matter who goes unless you have experience extensive knowledge of the region and the country you will be taken aback by how drastically different it is to other aspects of that country We stayed at the wonderful Casas de Lapa Hotel in the village of Lapa Dostaneros when I was on that trip. And right beside the hotel, there was a great walk called the Rota de Carnica Mountain Trail. And we walked in that trail to a nearby river beach, which we talked about, and I had a great swim that day. And now you're going to hear from a chat I had with our guide about the history of the area on the way back from that swim to the hotel. It recalls to a time where... As you know, shepherds are very religious, uh-huh. and so uh, in order to be uh, to collect good fortune, um, they would do a, a big uh, fest uh, where they uh, would decorate the sheep and go around the church or the chapel, and afterwards they go to the mountain. And in those days, with there there would be a great party and. The wives said said goodbye to the, yeah. their husband. There was go, there were going up because at, at that time there were wolves. There were and there still are. You were saying about um, like the history of the place and like pre-pagan and even Celtic tradition. Yeah. And you were saying about the dolmens. Yeah. So you were saying they're all. What did you say? They're all aligned. They are all, all aligned. The entrance of the dolmen. They all point to. Uh, 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 the rise of one star that's called Aldebaran it's a star from the constellation Taurus mm-hmm. and uh, um, 
it was like a signal for the, the movement of the shepherds to the mountain. Uh, it was the time where they would left the lowlands and take the, sh the, the sheep to the mountain, the sheep and goat to the mountain where the, the pastures uh, with the thawing were greener and for more for longer. And you saying that all the, the entrances to the dolmens all pointed to that to that same star at the same time of the year. Wow, isn't that amazing? And that was thousands of years ago, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. it was uh, five to ten ten thousand years ago. Some dolmens are uh, more recent, or others are older, and uh, they all point in the same direction. The entrance. So there's actually like the Celtic tradition history pre-Romans then that, yes. that was in this area. Yes, uh, so this was uh, the Iberic Peninsula was inhabited long before the Romans got here. Uh, not only by uh, local peoples like the Galicians, uh, the Lusitans, uh -huh. uh, but also uh, prehistoric uh, people like the, the Celtics, the Visigoths, wow. uh, some uh, from the North Africa uh, region, uh, and the Portuguese Reconquista. Uh -huh. uh, so did the Moors come to here as well? Yes, we expelled the Moors in around. Mm -hmm. uh, when, when Portugal was created, yeah. the Portuguese uh, was a small uh, county, like, uh, and uh, Dom Afonso Henriques uh, went all the way to Lisbon, uh, uh, expelling the Moors, yeah. and the, the Dom Sancho and Dom Afonso II continued to reach Algarve, and around in 1200, <coughs> Uh, it was when we conquered all the Portugal territory mm -hmm. and our border has been uh, more or less the same since then. Uh, but if you go before that, the Romans were here roughly 2000 years ago. Huh. It, uh, and Saia, the city where you was a Roman uh, settlement. It was called Civita Sena. Uh, and on that mount over there, uh -huh. here, on the other side of the mount, there's a fort, uh, an old a Roman fort, that is the oldest Roman uh, structure here in this region. Wow. Um, there's also uh, a very big influence by the Moors, especially in the southern part of Portugal, uh -huh. um, even in terms of architecture, uh, where you have the above the, uh, the entrance ways, yeah. you have this shape. Uh -huh. uh, and. Uh, was part of the Portuguese Reconquista uh, that uh, 
was supported by the, the church, the Catholic Church, mm -hmm. and because of our su success, the Pope, I can't remember his name, yeah. um, gave us, uh, uh, confirmed our uh, independence as a country from Spain. Not Spain at that time, yeah. Castile. Uh, but yeah, a, 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 a place that I, I've been to before when I was in Lisbon was uh, Tomer. Yeah. And I loved it. Like the, the history. They have a Templar. A Templar. Exactly. Yeah. It's so um, it's so uh, magical there, isn't it? Yeah. Obidos is also a very and, beautiful and Obidos, place. Exactly. Uh, so if if you go all across Portugal, you find lots of um, those type of cities. Mm. Braga is also like that. The yeah. Castelo is also like that. Uh, in the interior, most of these. Uh, we have lots of castles. So Possibilities. Like my, my impression is is that now, after COVID, people are going to start appreciating the outdoors and quieter areas and away from the crowds. So we'll start to appreciate areas like this. There was a trend already starting before COVID, uh, especially uh, for inner uh, tourism, for Portuguese because people that came here from other countries, mainly Germany, Dutchland, uh, and Belgium, a little bit from the UK, um, already knew what was the potential of this region. They came here to do nature walks. Uh, the Portuguese don't do th didn't do that very much. It was a niche, a niche market, uh, but nowadays, uh, with uh, Google Maps and Wikilogs and tracks available everywhere, it's fashionable to do nature walks. I'm just looking here at the sun's going down, I mean, and it's just green trees everywhere for miles and miles. It's spectacular, isn't it? It is, and it is, uh, um, we are in Europe. We are, uh, it is the old continent. Exactly. We have been in this for forever. As I said at the start of the podcast, I really love the amazing scenery in the mountains in the centre of Portugal and the gorgeous mountain villages. But what really stood out for me was the pride, passion and friendliness of the people that I met there. I'd like to give special thanks to uh, Madmosa's Tours who brought us all around the trip and also very special mention to Celia Concalves from the Aldeas de Montaña group. They're the mountain village group that are helping all these villages Again, for more information on this area, check out centerofportugal.com and that's C-E-N-T-E-R of Portugal.com for loads of information on this beautiful area. Also, I want to say that today is my last episode of season three, so I'll have a little break now, but I've already got some great interviews lined up for season four. So I look forward to sharing those with you. So please follow me on Instagram for updates for when season four comes out. Thank you for listening. I would ask if you could please subscribe to Apple Podcast so a new episode will appear in your library every week. I would also really appreciate if you could leave a rating and a review as it helps others to discover this podcast. To find out who's on every Tuesday, please follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Travel Tales with Fergal. Stay safe and keep dreaming of future travels. Travel Tales with Fergal.